Jesus, our wonderful problem solver. In our prayer seminar, we want to know in getting through to God, to whom are we getting through? What kind of a God is he? Our attitude toward the God of prayer can completely change our whole attitude of prayer. For instance, if God is eager to answer our prayers, then we'll approach him from a completely different attitude than we will if he's reluctant. Like the woman in the jungle land, she throws her baby into the mouth of the crocodile, hoping that way to somehow appease her God and overcome his reluctance. Do we have to do that? If we can understand who this is that we're talking to, then we can better understand the science of prayer. I'd like you to notice several facts tonight. Number one, our Father in heaven is eager to answer our prayers. Calvary says he's eager. Many individuals, as they have passed through turmoil and trial and all kinds of horrible experiences, are wondering, is, is God there? Is he interested in me? Does he care? Brother and Sister Newharth received the word that their son, who was just on his honeymoon, was involved in an accident. He and his wife lost their lives and their honeymoon trip. God, do you care? Do you care? Some dear friends of ours had their lovely little baby, all the baby clothes prepared. Oh, they were welcoming their little baby with open hearts and gladsome spirits. But the little baby passed away in a few days. God, do you care? And so that's what we want to know. The first wonderful answer is found in Calvary. Romans 8:32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You know, I'm, I, I'm thinking, friends, that, that when we get into these real heavy problems, there's a tendency to forget that our Father in heaven so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He gave Jesus to die for you and me that horrible death. In deepest humiliation, he didn't just die a physically suffering death, he died a separation death from his Father. He died a second death. He went through the horrible humiliation of one who could have spoken a word and the world would have been snuffed out. His enemies could have ceased to have existed. And yet he gave his son. He didn't give his son, friends, for an adopted child. We'd say, Isn't that, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? If he gave his son, his only begotten son, for an adopted child, wouldn't that be tremendous? He gave his son for enemies. He gave his son for sinners. He gave his son for those who hated him. And our Lord went through the most horrible suffering for us. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Somebody said, where was God when my son was, was perishing in Vietnam? Someone else said, he was the same place he was when his own son, his own son hung on, on Calvary. I thank the Lord that we have a God who 
is not merely eager, but he's so eager that he poured out all heaven in the gift of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that? Don't you thank the Lord? I have found that when you and I really raise doubts in regard to God's love, we forget Calvary. We forget the awful suffering of the Son of God. We forget that God himself, who is the embodiment of love, suffered intensely in the death of his Son. Now, then Jesus gives us another picture. It's found in Luke 11:13. He presents God as a, as a parent, a heavenly parent. But not all parents are good. Some are evil, some are cruel. But when we look to Calvary, we see what kind of a parent God is. And Jesus said, if you evil parents, Luke 11:13, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, that is the one who gave his only begotten Son, how much more will he freely give the Holy Spirit? And when he says he'll give the Holy Spirit, all the blessings of heaven come to us through the Holy Spirit. Repentance comes through the Holy Spirit. Conversion comes through the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Eternal life is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he said he'll freely give him as a good parent. Even an evil parent will give good gifts. What about the God who gave his son to die on Calvary? Several years ago, there was a, a minister and his wife who lived in Boston, Massachusetts. And in the dead of winter, there was a tremendous blizzard that started. They had a little 18-month-old baby. And as the blizzard was starting, this little baby girl had a fever. The fever raged for four days, and, and the blizzard raged for four days. Coincidentally, as the blizzard subsided, the fever subsided. But the little girl had eaten nothing. She was very weak. She kind of wobbled out of bed and wobbled over to Mother and looked up into Mother's face and she said, Mommy, Apple. She was so weak she could hardly say Apple. Mommy, Apple. And Mother knew there wasn't an apple in the house. So Mother gave a searching look in the direction of Daddy and the little girl followed Mother's eyes and the little girl walked over to Daddy and put one hand on one knee and one on the other knee and she looked up into Daddy's face and she said, Daddy, apple and daddy knew there wasn't an apple in the house and he knew that the blizzard had left the snow waist deep you know you can't walk through snow waist deep you can't wade through it you have to wallow on all fours unless you've already shoveled a path and there's no path he put on his heaviest winter attire wallowed through the snow on and on huffing and puffing finally somewhere I don't know where he found an apple he came back with this apple again, wallowing through the heavy snow, walks in this house all exhausted, goes to his little daughter and hands her an apple. Why did that father go through all of that heavy, exhausting labor just to get one apple? You know the answer. It was his daughter. He was her daddy. Jesus said, if an earthly father, if we who are sinful, will do that much for a child, what will God do as we reach up and lay hold of his promises? Many years ago, I was attending a, a service in the large Constitution Hall in Washington, D.C. A very noted evangelist had been advertised, and uh, to tell you the truth, I had some prejudice in my mind concerning him, but I thought I will go and find out why he gets such audiences. 
As I sat there, and there were thousands of people in that large auditorium, he stepped to his feet and he opened his Bible to Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. And as he read that verse, though I had read my Bible through many times, this verse had never made an impact on me until then. And this is what it says. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to make himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect or who are settled looking to him. I said, isn't that a picture of God? Looking all over the world, hoping that somebody will look skyward to receive what he has to offer? I said, my, thank the Lord, this is God. He's the God of Calvary. He's the wonderful heavenly parent. And he's looking around, hoping that people will look skyward. And you know, just about this time as I present this, I imagine someone in my audience is saying, if God is that kind of a God, how come that I've not been able to get through to him? How come that some of my most urgent prayers have never been answered? Here's a text of scripture that sometimes I claim as many as three and four times a day. Other times, maybe once or twice a week. It is Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, and the 16th verse. And the Lord is speaking. He said, I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. What's that? I will lead them in paths that they've not known. How's that? I will lead the blind in a, in a path they've not known? Oh, I thought that we had the right to sort of tell the Lord, now this is the way I'd like to get my answer. <clears throat> and if he's really going to answer, he would answer the way I ask him to. Oh, no. In 90 cases out of 100 in my own life, I have received answers in a way that I had never expected. Haven't you too? So if we start shaping God up and saying, Lord, this is the way you, you must answer. Lord, if you're there, you must do it the way I tell you. Oh, no, no. We can't pit our finite, creaturely, human wisdom against the wisdom of the infinite creator. He said, I will do it in my way. My way is infinitely better than your way. Your concepts are earthly. You're sinful creatures. I'm your creator. Let me give an illustration. When our daughter was Juanita was just a little tyke, one day I walked in the front room and I was horrified. Uh, she, was, she was just placing in her mouth a Gillette safety razor blade. And I saw her open her mouth and put this blade on her tongue. The Lord gave me quickness of thought. Before she could close her mouth, the Lord had impressed me to open my mouth because I noticed that my daughter did a lot of the things she saw her daddy do. That, those were the only times I was ashamed of her. Those when she acted like me. So I, I opened my mouth and I said, Nita. And she opened her mouth a little more and I saw that razor blade just teetering on her, on her tongue. I said, Nita, Nita, Nita. And she looked at me and she said, ah, Daddy, ah. That razor blade was just teetering. Very slowly, I walked in their direction. I placed my thumb and finger in place, placed my, my thumb and finger right in her mouth, Nita, Nita, and I slipped the razor blade right out. When I got it outside, I said, Juanita. 
it'll cut your mouth all off. And she went. <laughs> now, Juanita, my daughter, she thought that the razor blade would be good for her. Do you know there are hundreds of prayers that are being offered to high heaven that are nothing more than razor blades? Aren't you glad that our God loves us too much to give us razor blades or razor blade cake or razor blade soup or razor blades in our stomach? Our daughter was hungry. So in place of the razor blade, you know what I gave her? I gave her some food. So in place of what we ask for, God either gives us exactly what we ask for if we believe in him, or he'll always give us something better. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Today, when I talk with our daughter Juanita, who is full grown, of course, and has her own children, and we discuss that razor blade, do you think she's saying, Daddy, why in the world didn't you let me have that razor blade? No, indeed. Oh, Daddy, I'm so glad that you didn't do it. I'm so glad that you removed the razor blade, the thing that I had set my heart on, and you gave me something better. When we get to the end of the way, when we look up in the face of Jesus Christ at the last great day, we'll say, Lord, you who died on Calvary, who shed your blood for me, you knew better than I the best thing in the world for me. And remember this, God will always give his believing child exactly what we ask for. Or what? Something better. Let's say it. God will either give us exactly what we ask for or together, something better. That's Jesus Christ. That's the Father in heaven. That's what prayer is all about. We're reaching up, looking into the face of infinite love, infinite wisdom. Now, the Lord is so eager to have you and me reach up and claim his, his love that he's actually gone all out. He has actually placed in the Bible thousands of promises. Nobody forced him to do it. It came from his own heart of love. One minister who had read his Old Testament through 69 times and the New Testament 71 computed the promises and came up with 3,000 573 promises are clusters of promises. Some of these uh, verses have five promises in one. There are those today who think they have found between seven and 8,000 in all. Think of a God in heaven without any human pressure whatsoever who places in his love book, his love letter to us, thousands upon thousands of promises because he, he, he knows that if we'll reach up and, and read these promises and take hold of these promises, we'll say, what a fabulous God. How eager he is. Think of it. He could have made one or two promises. Oh, no. Thousands of promises for us to take hold of. Now, that brings us to the next question. <clears throat> How can we be absolutely sure that God will keep these promises? We can't go into the whole detail tonight of this, but we do want to do a little preface. First of all, we want to know that God is truthful. Can you imagine a God who gave his son to die on Calvary being untruthful? But here's a text that my wife and I have claimed for 30 years. I love it. It's Numbers 23, 19. And it says this, God is not a man that he should lie. <clears throat> God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent, that is, change his mind. 
Hath he said, shall he not do it? Hath he commanded, shall he not make it good? So God can't lie. But you know, without serious thought, we can sort of assume that God isn't hearing, or if he is, that he isn't keeping his word. There was a lady who came to one of our ministers. She said, Pastor, I have a problem. I have a serious problem. Well, he said, maybe I can help you. Can you share it with me? She said, yes, my problem is forgiveness. Well, there's a promise for that. First John 1, 9. Those who remember it, will you quote it with me? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the pastor said, here's a promise that God will forgive you if you've confessed your sins. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so he said, you have confessed your sins. Oh, she said, Pastor, I've confessed my sins for 40 years as a Christian. Hundreds of times I've confessed my sins. Well, he said, we'll kneel right down then together. We'll ask God to forgive you and cleanse you, and we'll believe it. And we'll take hold of his forgiveness and cleansing. So they knelt, and he prayed. He prayed a prayer of faith, simple childlike faith. He asked God to do what he promised. Jesus said, ask, Matthew 7, 7, that's the of prayer. He believed, that's Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus had believed that you receive. He believed that, that God was doing it. And the sea of prayer is to reach right up and receive it. Matthew 21, 22, all things that you ask in prayer, believing, receive. Sometimes we use the word claim because when you go to your baggage claim, you receive. So they knelt down and prayed got up from their knees, and he looked her in the face with a big smile, and he said, Sister, you're now forgiven, aren't you? She said, Pastor, that's what I can't get. Uh, that's why I came to see you about. Well, he said, uh, did you say you believe the Bible? Oh, she said, I believe every word of it. Uh, do you believe this promise, First John 1, 9? Oh, she said, I believe it with all my heart. Have you confessed your sins? Oh, yes, I've confessed my sins. Well, then you're forgiven. The promise is he'll forgive you. You're forgiven, sister, really. She said, Pastor, that's what's bothering me. I don't seem to get it. And he repeated two or three times, you believe the Bible? Yes. You believe this promise? Yes. You've confessed your sins? Yes. Hundreds of times for 40 years. And you know, he was kind of stumped then. What would he say to her? And I think about that time he, he offered a little prayer for wisdom. And the thought came to him, have you confessed all of your sins? She said, so far as I know. He said, if one sin was presented to you that you've not confessed, if the Holy Spirit impressed you with just one, would you confess it? She said, I surely would, Pastor. He said, how about the sin that's brought to view in 1 John 5, 10? He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. How about asking God to forgive you for having made him a liar because you really haven't believed him for 40 years and the Holy Spirit made the thrust. Oh, she said, Pastor, that's my mistake. I've been making God a liar for 40 years. I'm going to kneel down with you. Will you kneel with me and I'll ask God to forgive me? They knelt down and the tears just rolling down her cheeks. She said, will you forgive me, Lord? For 40 years, I've been making you a liar. And the Holy Spirit breathed into her the assurance. She said, Pastor, now I can ask now I can believe. Now I can claim forgiveness. I know God's doing it. 
as they uh, stood to their knees, to their feet, she said, Pastor, to think of it, 40 years ago, all the guilt could have gone. For 40 years, I've been having the guilt that I didn't need to pad had I not made God a liar. God is truthful. One thing he demands of us, childlike faith. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 3, except you become converted and be like a little child, you will in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. You know what childlike faith is like? There are two little girls, just little tykes, quarreling. I don't know what they're quarreling about, but one said, it's so. And the little friend of hers said, taint so. And the first little girl was upset. She said, it is so too. She said, mommy said it's so. But the other little girl didn't know her mommy, so the other little girl shrugged her shoulders. She said, it still taints so. And that upset the first little girl very much. She said, it is so too. She said, what mommy says is so, even if it taints so. Now that's childlike faith. God wants us to look up into the face of Jesus Christ and to say, Lord, what you say is so, even though circumstances to deny it, though I don't have the feeling, yet what you say is so. No matter what the world may say, no matter what the devil may say, what God says is so, always and forever. Shall we pray? Our Lord in heaven, we thank you tonight that we have a wonderful problem solver, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that Calvary tells us that God cares. We thank you, Lord, that he is our parent and he loves us with an everlasting love. We thank you, Lord, that his eyes are searching for people who look skyward. Oh, Lord, thank you that you don't answer our prayers our own sinful, limited way, but your wonderful, beautiful, loving way. Now, Lord, we look up in childlike faith. And as we do it, there may be someone here in the audience this evening at this very hour who isn't sure that Jesus is your Savior. And you'd like to invite him into your heart to cleanse you of every sin. You say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me and I will believe it and claim it. If so, would you lift your hand? Thank you, dear Lord, for forgiveness and cleansing promised in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.